You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 371. You're listening to The Lively Show. This podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to the show, my friends. I'm so excited you're listening and joining us on this very exciting first episode of the Beauty of Life series. The Beauty of Life series, for those that may not be familiar or are new to the show as you're listening to this, is a series devoted to helping two women in our community who are very representative of so many people in our community going through life Some things are going great. Some things are feeling a little bit iffy, rocky, or they'd like to change. And they want to use their inner voice to do so. They want to be able to learn how to navigate the world that they're in in a way that is smooth and clear and kind and loving from this deep place within themselves and release the emotional quote unquote beanbags, which we'll learn a lot about (laughs) even in today's episode along the way so they can hear that inner voice inside themselves, guiding them, loving them, and showing them how to approach the day-to-day life that they're living in every single possible way. So, so excited to be working with them for four straight solid months every other week. You're going to have a new episode every week, but the guests will alternate between the two women in this Beauty of Life series. At the end of the series, we're going to have a little celebration with each of them, giving them a quote-unquote outer transformation as well, like a little makeover of something to represent the inner transformation and energy shifts. Because as I've released so much and changed so much over my own journey, I've realized that when you do a massive amount of inner work, the expression of that inner energy that's new and refreshed and higher vibe, quote unquote, so to speak, it just feels nice to have that energy reflect on the outside in your life too. Whether it's going to be their hair, makeup, clothes, or a room in their house, I'm not sure. We'll find the right best way to celebrate for them and the changes they make based on whatever's happening as we go through this experience together. But I'm excited to celebrate them and share their journeys with you so that you can hopefully also listen alongside us and release your own emotional beanbags and ask your own inner voice questions as they're learning to do so also so that you can get more clarity in your own life as well. So when I help them, I'm also helping you theoretically to, you know, express and look into this work, even if you haven't done an inner voice session with a facilitator before, even if you're a beginner and not even sure if you're releasing beanbags the right way in a way that's effective. There's no right way, but like in an effective way that's letting them actually release properly. I'm hoping that this series is going to give that kind of educational content to you so that you can start to do this within yourself as well as you listen. So I'm so excited and so thankful for these two women. You're going to meet our next guest next week, so I'll leave her a mystery. But for today, I'm going to say you're going to meet Jennifer. And I'm so very excited for her and thankful for her for coming on the show. Thank you also to those who have applied for this. If you didn't get selected this season of this series, if it continues, which is a big question mark. I never know the future, but if it does, you are more than welcome to apply again. These two guests I've selected for this first series are very archetypical energies in our community. I love knowing our community as well as I do. These two women represent a large part of our, not entirely, of course, everyone's a different expression of consciousness, but they have, I think, so many classic similarities to so many people that are just getting started on this work. And so I'm so excited to be working with them and hopefully in doing so, helping you along the way. Let's go to the show. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, I'm a pleasure to be here. 
I am so excited to be introducing you and the series at the same time. So thank you so much for applying for Beauty of Life. It's really meant a lot to me. And I'd love for people to learn a little bit about yourself. Tell us, you know, all the deets. Who are you? Where do you live? What's going on in your life? Well, um, my name is Jennifer and I'm in my late 30s. I am married. I have a five-year-old son and I live in a small-ish town in north, uh, Northwest Missouri. And uh, at the moment, I, I mean, I've been in the town I live in for about two or three years. Um, I'm still feeling a little bit, I guess, out of fish out of water, even though it's in a similar area to where I grew up and where I spent a lot of my life. Um, I just don't know a lot of people here. Um, my son just started school. And um, so I ended up quitting my job that I was working because um, it's pretty far away. And now I am a stay-at-home mom. So I'd say it's just a lot of transition at the moment. Okay. And when it came to Beauty of Life and that coming up, what made you want to apply for this series and go on this journey with us? Yeah, I knew. I mean, as soon as you mentioned it on the show, I I just I knew I had to try, <laughs> had to try to apply. And I guess I didn't even have a clear vision of of exactly why I really wanted to do it. I mean, to be able to, I guess, have sessions with you, um, like particular the beanbag release idea. I haven't had much luck with that on my own, and I've been kind of. It's not like I've tried a lot, but I have tried and just haven't really gotten anywhere. The other reason is because I just, I feel like I can feel that I must have beanbags and I just, I'd love to get rid of them. I think that's the top reason. And there's, I mean, there might be other reasons, but I feel like that's the top reason for me. Oh my goodness. And right now I can actually, this sounds weird and don't take this in a bad way. You're going to be able to tell at the end of the show, your voice is going to sound different. I can hear those emotional quote unquote beanbags in your voice right now. Of course, you're maybe a little nervous because it's the first show too, first like three minutes of it. But when you come back, time travel back to this episode in April, you're going to hear a difference in the voice of you in April to now. And any listener listening in will be able to feel the same. It's amazing. And one of the cool things about audio as a, as a media content element is there's apparently, did you know this, that people can sense whether someone's telling a lie or the truth better in audio than video or writing. So there's this energy ability to connect. And that's part of probably in a intuitive level why I never worry about seeing my clients when I'm working with them. Sure. In the hot seats and classes, I look at people in the video, but the actual classic inner voice sessions are always done audio only because mm. it a is going to get everyone out of their minds easier when they're in there, not thinking about their facial expressions and looking at the other person's facial cues and you can feel their energy easier. So I can help you better with the audio only. And I think that's just going to be so cool for listeners listening to hear the shifts that we're going to go through with you. You're going to feel them inside of yourself. But the cool thing is the proof's going to be in the pudding of how people engage with your energy 
through the course of this series together too. So thank you so much for being so brave and vulnerable and open and willing to go into those beanbags with me and to go into the inner voice as well. When it comes to the inner voice for you right now, can you share with everyone? So it sounds like you're not really sure you've ever done a beanbag, quote unquote, properly, whatever the heck that is, because I've never yet brought it to the show. You're going to be the first person (laughs) on the show. I always said I will not do a podcast on the beanbag thing because doing a checklist or a podcast about it is very different than surfing in the ocean on a wave, on a surfboard, me teaching a podcast about that does nothing. But what it, this process with you, Jennifer, is going to be for the audience is as you release them, people are going to see how to release them. But more importantly, some of the things that you come up against in your own sharing of your life and as you're releasing yours, others may also have beanbags that feel related or similar in themselves. And so your actual emotion that you'll be going through with me when people listen may elicit one of their own beanbags to come up in them, and then they could actually release along with you through the show. So we have no idea how many. We're going to release whatever amount there (laughs) is to be released because that's going to be the biggest change and shift. But when it comes to inner voice and inner voicing with yourself, where are you at at the start of Beauty of Life series with that part so far? Well, I've definitely tipped my toe in the water, I guess. I've written to my inner voice and sometimes I feel like I've received answers to my questions or just, I guess messages in general. Um, I, I can't really say that it happens every time. But over the last, I don't know, I mean, I guess four years, maybe, not consistently, like not, I don't write to my inner voice all the time. But when I've come up against really hard things, or I've had like a, maybe an emotional day, and I'm not really sure what to do. I find that even writing to my inner voice re- relaxes me, even if I don't really get the answer I'm wanting, I guess. (laughs) Well, that's a good sign you got to the inner voice. If it's not the answer you want or think you should get, then it came from another source than the mind. And therefore, it probably is the inner voice. The one thing you'll know is that it's always a loving and peaceful tone of voice, even if what it tells you to do is not something your mind would want to choose. All right. I love that you are in this perfect, 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 dare I say, Jennifer, classic place. Like you are so perfect for the beauty of life series. So just know everything you've done up to this point in your journey with your inner voice, with figuring out the beanbags and not quite sure how to do them and feeling like some things are going great in life and other things feel confusing. That is perfect. Like everything you've done is so ideal for right now and what we're going to do together. So A, pat yourself on the back for all of what you have done, what you haven't done yet, but you're about to do. Like you have so much potential of doing every single thing, getting more clarity, releasing those beanbags, figuring out your next steps, understanding what your mind is holding on to and where it's holding back from the guidance of the inner voice, and then knowing how to move forward in your life. Like all of what you're facing is so beautiful, understandable, relatable to other people, and we can move forward. Isn't that amazing that you're actually not going to stay with the same question marks in your mind at the end of this call, let alone all the ones forward? We're not trying to solve, quote unquote, any complete version of life because always, always, of course, life is going to be ever-changing and moving forward and things will keep shifting. The ocean's not still, you know, it keeps Mm -hmm. having ripples no matter how small or large. So we're just going to start 
to make sense of it all and to release some of the old emotional gunk in the trunk that's ready to be released. Because part of what's keeping you feeling that stuckness and elements of your life is because they're matching these emotional quote unquote beanbags. And for anybody, let's say this, because you're the first person in beauty of life, for any new listeners that might be finding the show at this point in their journey, they might be saying, what the heck is a beanbag? And why do they keep using the word beanbag all the time? So when I first understood how to release elements of the emotional body, or as Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now calls it, the pain body, I first experienced my first emotional release in my emotional body, not my mental body, which is our thought life. We also have an emotional body. And that is an invisible body. So you don't really notice it like your physical one. You're aware of your thoughts much more and you know you have feelings, but the bean bags, well, the reason I say bean bags, I could call it watermelons. I could call it any word. I just picked bean bag because the first one I ever experienced felt like I was having a bean bag pulled out of my belly button. And I had no idea in my mind what was happening. But when it happened, it was very uncomfortable at first. I had, you know, my intuition was showing me how to do this. And I was like, what is going on? This is so weird. I don't know if I like this. And then all of a sudden, once the beanbag was gone, once the emotion that I identified as the shape of a beanbag was gone, once that emotion that was taking up what I would have called or described a non-physical shape of a beanbag, like one of those beanbags you toss in cornhole in America, or you know, little kids have beanbags in their playrooms. Once I got rid of that weight inside of my belly, I felt this huge, massive release. Now, when I do beanbag releasing, I've done probably a thousand of my own beanbag releases over the last several years, especially this one period of my life. It was three years were very heavy in the emotional releasing category and very powerful years because I transformed and and let go of a lot. And Jennifer, I don't know if that's going to be as deep and intense for you right now. It doesn't matter whatever it is. It's going to be the perfect and safe thing for you right now. But when you go through them, it is going to be very unlikely that Jennifer, as you're listening to this, is ever going to get one that's the shape of a beanbag. So we're just using that term as the indicator for it. Because when I reread The Power of Now after I figured out how to do this whole thing in real life, I realized that The Power of Now, Eckhart talks about the pain body, but I misunderstood the term pain body because it felt very big and like the boogeyman. It was going to take me over. My whole body is going to be full of pain. I <laughs> just like the way he coined the term pain body didn't get me closer to the understanding of what to do to change. And so once I had my own first emotional beanbag that I just described, I had many others. Some were like the shapes of watermelons. A lot of people get them and they use the the shape of a fruit to describe the shape. So Jennifer, we'll get to yours and everyone will hear what shapes and sizes they feel like to you. But just for everybody listening, beanbag is just the classic name we use in our community to say that it's a pocket of trapped, stuck emotional energy that needs to be felt in order to be released. Okay. So Jennifer, you're going to get them of all shapes and sizes and feeling expressions in your body and we'll release them, but you may never get one that's the size of a beanbag and that's a hundred percent fine. It's just a nickname for that experience of feeling a, a shape of an emotion in your emotional body and then having that ability to go in to bring pure awareness to it and therefore release it. So it's gone. It's amazing. 
This is something we've done in the living room classes, which soon will become a library of resources. Did you ever take any of our classes with me privately? Not privately, like private classes with me. Did you ever take any of the Team Lively classes or any of the Living Room Foundation classes in 2022 or earlier years? Um, yeah, I did like the Flow with Intention. I did that. I can't remember what year. It wasn't like when it first came out, like the Evergreen, I guess is what I did. And then I've done a few Living Room classes. And there have been beanbag release classes, like specifically that I've tried. Um, I just, I just don't get anywhere. I guess when I try. Well, I'm super excited. Don't worry. Just like be that real about it, because a lot of people might be feeling that too, you know. Or people have never taken the living room classes, and they're listening between January and March before we've launched the library, so they can't yet get to the portal to watch the recordings of it. So they're just going to start doing with you on the show now if they choose. (laughs) to and if they feel like they want to. Okay. So when it comes to your life, I always like to say that the mind tends to have an area of life that I call its favorite chew toy, like a dog with a favorite toy that it likes to chew the most. What does your mind right now in your life, quite honestly, think about, worry about, problem solve the most in your life? And what area of your life does it worry about, problem solve, think about the least and actually functions quite well? So what's like an area in your life that's functioning quite smoothly? And what is the area your mind worries about the most? Right. So I'll start with the smoothly. I would say family, like my relationships with my family, the way I interact with them and how much I feel very good about it. And whenever somebody's like, what is the thing you're most grateful for? You know, that is what always comes up as my family. So like, I don't know if that... If that okay, so that's a, your number one. Okay, yeah, okay. Beautiful. Yeah, you don't have to worry and stress about those things. That's great. Some people, it's their body weight. Other people, that might their, be their biggest chew toy. <laughs> Some people, yeah. it's their health. Other people, it's their mind's biggest worry point. Some people, it's money. What I want to say also at the start of this, one of the most fascinating things about working with so many humans for so many, uh, over a decade now of my life, is that I want to be able to say, it's so fun to be able to say this on the context of a podcast, uh, not just in the classes that I teach, but because I'm talking with you, these kind of elements are coming up. One of the most fascinating things I have discovered in my own life and in my clients' lives is that nobody has a problem with the area there. Okay, wait, first of all, what's your mind's problem? What's the chew toy area? Mm. (laughs) You know, it's, I guess I should have been more specific. Family, I mean, like my mom, my siblings that family. And then my chew toy has always been marriage. I feel like that's always been the top one. Um, Okay. So that's technically family, but isn't it interesting? So relationship is like the strength and not, it's not a weakness, but what's so interesting is that you and everyone else. So let's say you're kind of a unique case because your strength and your weakness are in a similar bucket, so to speak of, of people and relationships. I think other people are going to be able to relate to you in this as well, or they'll be reversed. Their marriage will be the easy thing and their family will be the hard thing or the in-laws or, you know, coworkers, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Or someone, let's say another classic example could be like somebody's strength is their abundance and then their body image and their body weight and how they eat is where their mind puts the emphasis. What I want to say is that after working with all these people in my own mind, having different chew toys over different eras of my own life, (laughs) I've seen that basically miraculously 
nobody actually has a problem with the area that is going in the chew toy direction. And all that is, is that the mind is going into that direction because it's overly influencing that area of the life. Mm. And that if the mind didn't have emotional beanbags, there's those beanbags again, if it didn't have emotional beanbags attached to that area of life, if they were gone and missing, that area of life would function smoothly, naturally, and without the mind needing to make it its favorite chew toy. And so conversely, the strength areas that people have, they have the least emotional beanbags. So they have the least mental interference because when there are beanbags on an area of life, it's when there were emotions in the past that did not get properly expressed, released, transmuted, and transformed and dissolved away, they accumulated. And when we were little, especially in our era of humanity, it's going to get easier and easier in decades to come. It's already easier to this point in humanity than probably, let's say the 1500s. But, you know, so we've made some progress, but we're still going to keep cleaning up this whole system. But when we were young, we were taught not to feel the feelings. Little kids come in, your five-year-old probably came in knowing how to have a meltdown when he was mm-hmm. young. He probably knew how to have every emotion and full-fledged meltdowns, full-fledged, everything was unfiltered. But as we were trained when we were young, our parents didn't want us to be acting out and having giant tantrums and all these emotions. And so many of us listening to this show right now may have been taught not to feel or express their emotions effectively. And so the mind shut them down because it was taught and trained to do that. And so it's just shut. A, put a cap on all of these weather patterns. Emotions are kind of like the weather of the body, of the human. And so it just put all of these bubbles of plastic wrap around these emotional storms that have happened over decades potentially of our lives or multiple lives if you believe in that as well. And so there's just a really big backlog of emotion. And once the cap is put on it, the mind becomes the protector of those emotions. And it wants to protect those emotions or project them when future experiences touch those old beanbags. So when something new in your life happens that feels like one of the emotions that you've had from the past that you never released. It's like a blister. And when a shoe, a new situation in your life rubs on that part of your blistered foot, it hurts. Because not only is the situation itself slightly triggering, but what it's really doing is hitting that soft, sensitive spot in the blister part of your foot or in your emotional body. And your mind then goes into protect or project mode. So it will either try to protect the beanbag by protecting you in some way from that situation. So it might shut you down. You might get passive aggressive with somebody. You might fight or flight, or it will project and get angry. So let's say a great example of this is road rage. If you're in a scenario like road rage, there are people that can get cut off in traffic all the time, but there are so many different responses to those kinds of things in traffic, right? Some people just take it easily and some people have a meltdown when something happens. That difference of response in each person is an indication of the underlying mental emotional body within that person. When that person's getting cut off in traffic that has those big 
angry responses, that's not just from that first experience. That's something they probably experienced multiple times over because whenever this kind of thing happens, it's touching that blister inside of themselves and they're overreacting. But somebody else that doesn't have that blister in that area doesn't react. Just as though, let's say you had a wound, like a gunshot wound in your shoulder, and you're walking down the street in New York and somebody bumps into your shoulder and you if you have the gunshot wound in your shoulder you're going to react because of their bumping into you far more than somebody else that doesn't have a gunshot wound in their shoulder and gets bumped into in New York you know mm-hmm. so if one person be like oh that person just bumped into me no big deal cuz you don't have a gunshot wound in your shoulder but if you had a gangrene infested aching gunshot wound that you didn't even know about until somebody blasts into your shoulder, you're going to have a much stronger reaction to that because of the beanbag, the gunshot wound in you. Does that make sense? So the same person Mm -hmm. can bump two different people at the same time in the same way, but the individuals reacting to that experience are doing it from the inner emotional world that they live in. But because they can't see the gunshot wound, And because they are obviously feeling within their bodies, they can't see the emotional beanbag, but they do feel their reactivity. If they don't have enough awareness that this gunshot wound thing can be solved or that it's there in the first place, what they'll do is think that this person did it to them and they're justified in feeling that feeling. And of course, they are justified in feeling the feeling. Everyone's justified in feeling the feelings they feel because they are real to them. But it doesn't mean that that person bumping into them did something that actually justifies the amount of hurt they're feeling. Because somebody else that didn't have that emotional beanbag gunshot wound in their shoulder would not have the same reaction, but it's not because of the bump or the person that walked into them by accident. It's because they don't have that wound already inside of them to be reacting from. Does that make sense, Jennifer? Yeah, definitely. When you hear that, then all this means is that here, can you relate to this? I'm just curious when I share that, you know, when you're little, these emotions start accruing, you may not have had a lot of emotional conflict with your family. So that area of your life feels pretty clear and clean because that's your strength area. You don't really worry about it a lot. Like things happen, they get expressed, they get released and they move on. That's a very clean area of emotional release and and not really getting a lot of emotional pain in that area or accruing from there. But when it comes to the relationship area or marriage area, can you see that there might have been, well, even like before you got married, obviously when you were little, did you get trained not to feel your feelings and to be a good girl and not to express or be angry or have different emotional expressions when you were young? Do you feel like you've learn to shut those feelings down? I'm sure that I was like, I don't, I guess I don't remember like feeling like I was being told, you know, don't do this or don't do that. I'm the oldest of four kids and uh, we're all pretty close together. And I mean, I think about this all the time with Finley, my son, how, you know, when I was a kid, there was so many of us, you know, we, we didn't really have meltdowns. I don't know. Like, I don't remember ever feeling that way or ever doing that. And I don't know if it's... Is your son's name Finley? Yeah. Okay. So does Finley have meltdowns now? Yes. Okay. So you're like, wait a minute. I don't remember this from the... You know, I mean, not like, not like crazy, you know, I've seen, I've seen worse, but I mean, I feel like he is more emotional than 
I remember being, of course, you know, five years old, what do I remember? But my mom will say the same thing. Like, you guys never were like that um, when I ask her about it. And I don't know if it's like, we didn't have a chance to be because there's just too many of us. Mom's too busy, really, to listen. I mean, she she's a good mom, but I mean, she's got four kids. So I, I don't know if maybe at just I learned pretty fast that to be the good girl, you know, not to not to make things uncomfortable. To to oh, yeah. Girl. I'm the good girl. <laughs> yes. Well, the good girl doesn't cry then because mom's too busy with the little ones. I, sh- I shouldn't take up the space. Totally. And so even in that loving little child adapting to her environment and trying to be of service, it actually hasn't ultimately, what's really cool now is that basically that little girl is so amazing. That little you that did that, she didn't have to do that, but out of love, care, concern, you know, for many multiple reasons, let's just say she did it. (laughs) And the best thing is where you're at now in your life, Jennifer, you are safe and ready to help liberate the little one that's Mm -hmm. still in her now moment, feeling those feelings. You're feeling them through her now, you're through yourself now, but we're going to help you release them and kind of rewrite the past, so to speak, in that we get to help liberate that little girl and feel all of her feelings and get all of the attention that maybe she let the other siblings get. She gets all of that love and attention now because you're safe and ready to release these emotions. That's why you're excited to do this work with us publicly on a podcast in front of a bunch of people. It's because you're safe and ready to do this. And I can just say that maybe this Beauty of Life series in a way is a gift to you. You know, you did that little girl sacrifice, so to speak, out of love for the family, maybe subconsciously, maybe consciously. But now you're safe. You have all the attention in the world coming focused at you. Literally, the world is listening to you (laughs) and giving you that space to express and release. And it's time that you can let that go. Because now you're not that little girl with a mom with four kids and is too busy to look at all this stuff. The stuff still lasted. The energetic charge that was created by the emotions, emotions have a lot of energy behind them, just like weather patterns, right? It's like a thunderstorm has a lot of energy movement, right? But if you take a cup and put it on top of a storm and don't let the clouds rain and pour, they get stuck and stagnant and the energy just churns and churns and churns. And over time, it's very likely that chronic disease is somehow connected to these emotional weather patterns. But because they become so habituated and so unconsciously lived through because it's so how you think you live and feel every day that over time, those non-physical storms can start to affect the physical systems of the body. So of course, we're not saying that you have any chronic disease right now that we're going to going against. We're going to get them earlier than that stage. Does that make sense? And let them do the thing they were always meant to do, which was release. And I love that you have a five-year-old. I do not have children. I think at this point, I'm kind of ready to be the cool aunt to all the community that has kids. What I have found with the work is I'm not yet personally, obviously dealing with kids in my daily life to be working with them and figuring out how to do this. But the mothers in our community are doing it with their kids in their natural way that makes sense for them and their children. And so if you ever feel like what we're doing with you is somehow something you can tell Finley or share with him, You are welcome, of course, to do that in the intuitive way that feels right for you. And then share with us as it happens, if there's anything 
interesting to report in terms of how it's helping him because it might help other moms as well. But this is such an interesting opportunity, right? How Mm -hmm. do we help little kids that come in knowing how to have emotions? How do we help them to continue to feel their emotions and become pleasant people to be in life with? Like in the public sphere, like how do you help them not stuff down emotions and how do you have a pleasant experience in a target or do you, or do you let them cry on the target floor? I'm not sure. These are question marks I have, not periods. I don't know the answers to these things, but I find that this is such a fun opportunity for us as parents, not me personally, but for the community as parents to figure out how do we help them stay connected to their emotions, release their emotions, and move forward into the world that we live in. I always sometimes when I was going through my cocoon, you know, very beanbaggy period of three years, I was just thinking of like, my God, if humans, if adults were going to start to go through what I've gone through, there's going to be like meltdowns and like adults on the, on like the, um, on the tube in London or like in the Metro or the subway in New York city, just people just having like all these emotions just coming through them. I was like, it's going to be an interesting, like the airport, someone could just have a breakdown when they have this old emotion that's ready to come up. Of course you can do it in a way that's safe and private. You don't have to do it in public, but I was just thinking what a world we'd be living in. If the, if the adults start all opening up to this all around the same time, it would be a very interesting and kind of slightly humorous place because all this stuff would be happening. And instead of the humans just kind of pushing it down and focusing and just getting through their days and on these little hamster wheels, if they started to slow down and open up, there would be a very different landscape, emotionally speaking, of all these adults we see every day that seem to be fine. Okay. How are you? You know, they're just kind of shoving down a lot of this stuff because you know what? It's not the safe and right time for them to open up and they don't need to be in the coffee shop having a meltdown or a beanbag Mm. session. That's not the point, but it is interesting when I was in that cocoon period because they were coming up fast and heavy for me. And so it was like some days it would feel like the whole day was like spent releasing old emotions for me. But that, like I said, don't worry, Jennifer, or anyone listening, (laughs) you're going to have the right and safe amount of emotional release in a pace that is serving your life, not harming it. So everybody's inner voice is you and is the loving, wise, enlightened version of you. So it's not going to try to wreck your life because it is you. It's not going to wreck itself. Does that make sense? It's not attacking itself with this stuff. It's doing it in a way that's going to serve you in a higher way. So this space we have together, we haven't even got into any beanbags or anything, but I think it's a nice way to set up the stage for you, Jennifer, but also for everyone listening, because this is the grand experiment we're trying right now, is what is it like if we work with somebody or two people, actually, of course, that will be four months? Like, what will that journey be like for you? And then also, how does the experience unfold in your life with this consistent ability? So there's really no rush. We can go on as long as we want. We've got four months to go through this stuff that might be up and ready for release. And different things might emerge as different things release. But just to say, you have done such a good job when you were little. You did everything the best you could, the best you knew how. And now this older you gets to be the angel, so to speak, to the younger you and help her feel the feelings that she didn't feel before. 
And ultimately what's great is the adult you gets liberated from those old trapped feelings as well and gets greater and greater peace and clarity and understanding of the inner voice because the inner voice is always present, always there, always providing clarity, but it's not felt because of these beanbags in the pipe, so to speak. So let's say that there's um, a water well and you've got your mind at the top and you've got this well of wisdom at the bottom. And if you don't see any water, you're not getting much coming up. It's because there's a bunch of rocks in the well or rocks in the pipe. Pick your analogy that you like. But once those emotions are released, it'll be much easier. But when they are there, the mind wants to, like I said earlier, protect or project from those emotions in the level of the mind. Because the mind, let me also say this, cannot feel where the emotions are in your body. The mind can know that it has emotion happening in its system for sure. And it can hold the story that the emotions seem to be connected to about why it feels that way, what the trigger scenario was for why, like that guy just cut me off. What do you mean? What, why I feel this way? Of course, that guy, that's an, what an idiot in the car over there that just didn't, didn't signal at all, you know, right? That's the story. The person feels the emotion of anger. The mind can do both of those. But if I asked that man having a, or woman having this uh, road rage little moment, I said, where do you feel the anger? If they're stuck in their mind, they will say, what do you mean? I, I just feel it all over, all over. And like, but if I got them to actually do what we're going to do, Jennifer, and I got them to slow down and I got them to go into their awareness rather than their mind, that's what we're going to be doing with you, getting you into your awareness rather than your mind. Your awareness can sense your emotional body. It's a non-physical quality that you have and your awareness can feel that, but your mind can only feel the five senses. So the other one, it can sense that there are emotions. It knows there's emotions too, but it can't feel into and sense into the emotional body. Your awareness can, but the mind can know the emotions there and it can have thoughts about it and stories about it, but it can't do the releasing of the emotions. The releasing of the emotions is not done through the mind. All the mind can do is protect or project the emotions, but it cannot transmute them back to pure energy. So that rain in the storm cloud that I said earlier, if that's the analogy, like let's say you were little, you had a big emotion. Mom said something or gave something to one of the little kids instead of you and you really wanted attention or wanted the thing that they got instead, but you decided to put on the good girl role and shove it down but there's this big quivering lip and this big, you know, there's going to be a rainstorm if you didn't stop it. And you shoved it down and you moved on. You didn't tell mom that you were upset, even though you really were deep inside. That's like putting that cup on top of that storm and it never got released. It doesn't have to be that specific scenario. I'm thinking if there's a million different little things over time that happen to us in this lifetime and potentially others, if you believe in that as well. And they're all just waiting to be let out. It's trapped. It's stuck in a storm cloud that needs to rain. And when the rain comes through the storm cloud, the, the cloud disappears because the rain is released. And so it's out. The energy that was trapped has found a flat line, so to speak. So you can kind of think of it as like a vibration that's all jumbly and needs to express. And when it does, expresses, expresses, rains and rains and rains and rains eventually get to a place of this piece of like, I can't cry anymore. I can't rain anymore. <laughs> it actually has actually hit a flat line. And that energy is transmuted back into pure energy and can flow freely for you. 
now. Another analogy to look at, I sometimes see it as like little clumps of like lava lamp balls, whatever the lava lamp balls are made out of. They're the clumped energies. And as you release them, they go back into that smooth liquid of the lava lamp thing. And even though we like the balls in the lava lamp, we don't like all those emotions jumbling up our experience because ultimately it's going to keep manifesting when you get into the whole like law of attraction stuff, you're getting what your vibration is, what your feelings are. Even if your mind's not even aware that you have these beanbags, you are when they're poked, when they're, somebody bumps into you and you're like, oh my gosh, bumps into your beanbag. You know it because you're reacting stronger than somebody without that beanbag would react that's still creating in your reality until it's transmuted. And once it's released, then it free flows again. The energy just keeps serving you with new potentials and experiences. And anything that used to be triggering doesn't trigger you that much. And when it doesn't trigger you that much, it doesn't attract that much to feel similar to it. And then it just eventually dissolves away. So like I said, in the very beginning, nobody has any major area of life that they're, they might have a lot of beanbags in a certain area. And so the mind, of course, with all those beanbags and all that emotional momentum and law of attraction coming to match the unpleasant emotions that they've been hiding from creates a bunch of a mess, so to speak, in that area of their life. But once it's cleared out, once the emotions are gone, not emotions like are taken away from you as a human, but once the old trapped stuck energy is no longer old trapped and stuck, you stop having problems in that area of life. Your mind starts trusting your inner voice and you start to function as easily as you do with your regular nuclear family, you said, which is very easy. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you have no actual issue with your marriage. Isn't that amazing? Like that doesn't mean you may choose to stay married, may not choose to stay married, but the actual area of marriage is not a actual problem. It's just the mind being attached to any area of life makes that a problem. And it's not like the mind's a bad guy. The mind is the cutest little girl that's trying to protect you, right? Like the little girl that said, okay, mommy's busy. I better be good so that she can take care of the rest of the kids. The mind's basically doing kind of somewhat the same thing now. Okay, I've got to solve this problem of the marriage thing for her because I know she doesn't feel good about it. So I'm going to think about it a lot. I'm going to worry about it a lot. I'm going to try to figure out options for it. But the problem is just like the little girl wasn't meant to be the mother of the four children, she's not meant to be in control of your marriage or whether you stay married or whether you what you do in the marriage. It's your intuition that's there for that. But because the mind's so blocked up with all the emotions, it doesn't even hear the intuition in that area. And so then it thinks it has to do the work. Does that make sense? Yeah. How does that relate to what me saying all of that for you, Jennifer, how does that relate or resonate in your life? Does it feel clarifying, confusing, relatable, not relatable? No, it's definitely relatable. You know, I can, I mean, I can feel myself reacting. (laughs) What do you feel the reactions to and what emotions are coming up? Um, I guess, you know, when you're talking about, you know, the the girls just trying to do the right thing type of stuff, you know, and and I and I feel that way. I guess I feel that way a lot. I just want to do the right thing. And, you know, when you say my mind is probably more control in my marriage. Um, and that's I mean, it's, it's definitely true. And not just this one, but um, when I was married before, I was trying so hard. Yeah. 
that's a lot of work, Jennifer. Do you know what? Right now, can we let go of that beanbag that's right there? But like how hard you've been <laughs> trying beanbag? Do you want to let that one go? Is that what's coming up right now? And name it. What is it? What's coming up right now that's ready to go? You don't have to hold on to this stuff. What what's the first one that's up? I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, I yeah, go for it. Do, what is trying it? to do the right thing? I'm They're doing the right thing. So you've been hard. doing that your entire life. Your late 30s. You've been doing this for almost four decades now. Trying to do the right thing. You know what? We can let that one go. Are you ready to let that go? It doesn't mean you're gonna be a monster. <laughs> it just means you're gonna let go of this efforting and this trying so hard and all the emotions you're holding back because of it. Okay. So first right here, right now, you can let that one go. Where do you feel? So close your eyes, sink your awareness into your body, go straight from that place. So keep exhaling as you go. Obviously your inhales will happen, but where's the emotion in the body? Close your eyes and feel into the body. Where's that emotion of like, I'm always trying to do the right thing for so long. Where do you feel it? Be like a little uh, invisible plane, a invisible airplane. Place your awareness, scan the body. Where is this emotion coming up? Where are you feeling the urge to cry? In the body. I mean, I guess maybe my forehead. Okay, and then go for it. Go for it in the forehead. What's the feeling in the forehead? I want to cry. (laughs) Sadness, frustration, exhaustion. Tension, like... uh... Like clenching. Just go for it. Go it's for hard, it. And how big is it? Good. Yeah, it's hard. That feeling of it's hard. Okay. How big is it in your forehead? This is the magic is like you can feel it's in the forehead. And how big would you say that it's hard feeling is? I mean, it's like the whole forehead, I guess. Oh, forehead. Okay. Go for it. Go in the whole forehead and breathe into it and feel it, feel it all. Go for it. You've never let yourself feel this one fully. You felt it before, but you've never gone into it. It's in the forehead. It's so hard. It is so hard to do what you've been doing. It is so hard. Life is not meant to be that hard. It isn't meant to be. So go for it. Feel it though. Feel the feeling in the forehead and cry it out. This is an old one. This is one that has been so multi-layered for so long. Of course you'd feel this way. Of course you'd have this one here after so long, so many experiences of shoving it down, putting yourself last. Of course, of course, let it out. Now be as dramatically expressive as the body wants to be. Your body knows how to let this out, okay? So go for it. Do not hold back. You're done holding it back. You don't need that. That's literally what this whole work is for. We have created four months for you to do this (laughs) and everyone along with you. Keep feeling into the forehead. Don't go into the story, go into the forehead, okay? So you're bringing up the emotion, but you're going into the emotion straight at the source, which is in the forehead. Keep breathing through it. If you need to shake, shake. If you need to quake, quake. If you need to make a noise, make a noise. Your body will show you how to do this. Your body knows how to burp. It knows how to breathe. It knows how to laugh. It knows how to snort. It knows how to sneeze. It knows how to fart. It knows how to do everything, including the body knows how to release these emotions. This is why Finley knows how to do it. His mind's not clouding the body from having his emotions right now. So the body knows how to have the weather storms. It lets them come through. The planet doesn't fight the rain. It's actually raining outside as I say that. The planet doesn't fight the hurricane. 
The planet knows to allow the hurricane and the energy patterns to move. Wind is so often associated with our planet's weather, and it's the circulation of the air so the planet has breathing. Otherwise, the whole planet will be a swamp and life would die. Movement circulates freely when these emotions in ourselves as our weather planets of our bodies are allowed to circulate. So as you're feeling this, your body knows what to do with it. Don't let your mind interfere with the feeling of expression. It's that sadness and hardness in the forehead. How are you feeling now there? Same or different? Well, I mean, I feel, I kind of, I don't know if like, it just kind of, I guess it dissipated. It's gone. Yeah. Okay. So now think of a triggering thought just five seconds ago, five minutes ago, that was really heavy and was bringing up that tension in your head. Okay. Give me a thought. It was so hard. Is that the thought? What was the Um, thought that helped you really poke at that one? See, I guess I was saying I've been doing this for so long. I don't know. I guess I'm still getting emotional about it. Good, good. Go go for it. Where is it now? Is it in the forehead or somewhere else? Scan for us in the forehead or is it somewhere different in the body? Maybe more in my chest this time. Go for it. Okay. How big is it in the chest? Maybe like a tennis ball. Go for it. Tennis ball. See, this is where I'm saying, guys, beanbags are just like anything. They could be tennis balls. <laughs> Their foreheads, it doesn't matter. Go for it. Go for the tennis ball. Is it the same feeling or different in the in the belly, in the chest, in the, ten- in the tennis ball? Same feeling or different than the forehead? I don't know. Maybe a little different. Maybe not Go for hard. it. Go for it. Of course, you'd have more than just one. I would be insanely shocked if you thought in five seconds, you're going to get out a lifetime of emotional repression with one forehead. Go for the tennis ball. Go for it. Feel it. But now stay tuned to the awareness of where it is. You're going to hear me say this over and over again, guys. Awareness, aware is it. Your mind cannot feel this tennis ball as a tennis ball. It can feel the emotion. It can feel the story. But it cannot sense where it lives in your emotional body. Go for the tennis ball. That ability to focus of where it is, is your magic eraser. You actually don't erase it. Pure awareness transmutes everything back to pure awareness. I went back through Power of Now, scraping it, going, Eckhart, where did you explain this? And then it was like one sentence in the book. And he said, pure awareness transmutes everything back to pure awareness. (laughs) I was like, okay, we need better than that. And that's why I've done the living room classes and the beanbag releasing. And I teach it in IVFD and why we're doing it here with you, Jennifer. Thank you for doing this with us on the show. This is, if I just say this to people in a checklist, if they're not in the emotion, they're not going to be able to do it. They need their awareness tuned in to an emotion that's actually present. They need to be in the water waiting for the next wave to come, like the surf analogy. Okay. So how's the tennis ball now, Jennifer? I guess I just have this like feeling like it's spinning around and Go for it. Stay tuned. Go for it. Keep feeling it. The way you kind of, let's think of it as like a food. The way you digest this food and release it is by feeling it. So go for it. Like bring it on. (laughs) It's not going to overwhelm you. It's only the size of a tennis ball, right? So go for the feeling. It's just like a color on the rainbow of emotion. 
It's just a note on the piano of emotion. Everybody's felt this one. You're not the only one that feels this one, Jennifer. Not everybody feels it at the same day, at the same time, or for as long as you have. But everybody's got the same neural peptides that are able to be printed through their bodies as well. Everybody just traps different ones and relives them different lengths of time. And so they kind of have a different harmony about them, a different energetic composition, but it's based on the different notes that are ultimately all derivative of these same, on the human personality level, these same emotions. They're just playing them out in different order and cadence and energetic makeup. But once you're clearing them out, the real you, without all this conditioning and all the pains and all the, as Eckhart called it, the pain body for me, the beanbags, without all this stuff, we're just more ourselves without these limiting emotions that then perpetuate limiting beliefs. Okay. So when you have these emotions, you want your mind automatically to protect the, and project these limits you so that you don't, don't touch my, my gunshot wound in my shoulder. So what it does is puts a lot of bubble wrap all around the shoulder instead of healing the wound because the mind cannot heal the wound. It can be aware of the wound and know the emotions there but it cannot transmute that. Eckhart said it so clearly in one sentence, pure awareness is what's allowed, what transmutes everything back to pure awareness. How do you heal the emotion? You transmute the emotion back to pure awareness. And this is the awareness. This is why I talk therapy when I did that for years when I was young. It was very helpful to point out where all the beanbags were and why I had them and all that kind of stuff, but it didn't release the beanbags. So I would go after therapy and binge eat candy bars because all I did was poke all the beanbags have them all churned up. It was like poking every gunshot wound in my shoulder and going, oh my God, this is horrible and uncomfortable. How do I feel better? And my mind thought, let me protect her or project it. And I didn't project it at other people like road rage. I protected myself by soothing myself by eating five Milky Way candy bars on the way up to my dorm room, because that was the only way my mind knew that I could feel better. But of course, it didn't really make me feel better. It made me feel sick to my stomach because it was way too much sugar and way too quickly. And it didn't resolve the emotional wound. The awareness is what resolves the emotional wound and makes it so that it's not even there anymore. You'll remember the experience, but the charge, the emotional power that it has right now will be removed. How's your tennis ball now? Well, like again, I guess I feel like it's kind of just disappeared. You know, now think like, about it. Let's go back to the first story was it's so hard or I've been trying this for so long. How does that story feel now? Let me think. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I can't really I can't really bring it up at the moment. Right? There you go. So any emotions? Oh no, yeah, it's like something's not yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and do you feel know. good or do you feel like something's still off? Yeah, I don't know. It's like my, it's like my thoughts can't. Get the emotions going? Yeah, like I can't come up with the right. That's what it feels like or that's what I'm thinking. It's like, I guess my Are you hoping it brings be... up more pain or is it no, not able to bring I, up I just, pain? I guess I, I find it very, um, I guess I just can't believe that it wouldn't. <laughs> right? You've been living with it. Okay. This, let me give you back to the analogy. Okay. So you had this gunshot wound in your forehead and in your tennis ball in your, your chest. Okay. And so anytime something would touch it, 
in your forehead or your chest. It was the, let's go back to New York city. We've got the gunshot in the shoulder. Okay. And you walk by someone bumps, bumps you. And you're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. So what we've just done is transmuted the gunshot wound. And now we're saying, okay, someone's going to bump into you in New York. How do you feel? And you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> I don't yeah. care. But every other time I've walked down the street in New York, I've cared. And now suddenly I can't care anymore because the only reason you care is because there's a gunshot wound in your shoulder. If somebody just accidentally bumps you in the street in New York and it's, you know, not, they're not doing it to be mean to you. They're just busy and in a hurry. You just notice it and go, yeah, that person, just like the someone cutting someone off in traffic. It's not to say that somebody without the beanbag, uh, the road rage beanbag kind of thing, doesn't notice it and say, oh, that was a startling situation or that could have been unsafe if I wasn't paying attention. But there's no beanbag reaction. Action, what we could call triggered reaction. Um, I think Tony Robbins, when I did his stuff years ago, he had a word for, I think it would call it trigger. Like there's no, but I call them beanbags. There's none of these old emotional weights to create the extra drama. And now you're just able to function. <laughs> yeah, this is I what know. I didn't get from all my therapy when I was binge eating candy bars in college after the counseling. I just wasn't releasing them. But if I had released them, I wouldn't have that terrible feeling. I was like, oh my God, I just spent an hour in New York getting bumped in the shoulder by therapy. <laughs> so then I was like, I need to find a way to soothe myself. But I had no idea I had a gunshot wound in the shoulder. I just felt terrible. I was like, how can I feel better? The only thing I could find, other people go to other kinds of addictions. I was choosing sugar at the time. Other people gamble, they do sex, they do drugs, they do alcohol. They choose a bunch of different things. They eat. They do a lot of things. They're trying to soothe these emotional beanbags, but it doesn't actually solve the beanbag. It doesn't transmute it. It distracts the mind for a very short while, but then you're left with the hangover, so to speak, of the actual emotion still there in the system, maybe not actively rubbed. Maybe it's been like 20 minutes and someone bumped into your shoulder. So you're kind of calmer about it. It's still there, but it's not being actively pummeled by people walking down the street. But now you have also, for me, I would have the stomach ache and the guilt and the shame and the judgment I put on myself about all the candy that I just ate and how gross my belly felt and then how fat I was getting as a result of eating all these candy bars. Like it was a nightmare. What I just shared was a classic example of how a mind trying to do its best for its little human tries to solve emotional beanbags. But what you just did is so much more effective, right? And this is why your voice is going to start to sound different by April. I'm not saying that in a negative way, Jennifer, whatsoever. It's just that I always get that so commonly, even for me, people say, you sound different. You sound different. You're sounding different. And it's because this, like we said at the beginning, the power of audio is that you can hear energy most clearly, even clearer than writing or video, you can hear it in the voice. So that energy system, that lava lamp, as you lighten up those bubbles and as those bubbles get transmuted back to free-flowing energy for you, the cadence and the timber of your voice is going to be freer because right now the energy that you, your consciousness is having to filter through all of these old emotions out of your mouth, through your body, through your lungs, through your diaphragm and out your mouth. But as it's clearer and clearer, your voice is going to feel clearer and clearer too. It's not like you do anything consciously. It just happens because the beanbags are gone. So now let's go back. Okay. Let's imagine little you, you're still the oldest child. You still have little kids and your family. You still, you know, 
did what you did, but how do you look back on it now? Do you look back with the same emotional charge or different? I mean, I guess it's different. I don't know. I guess I'm feeling a little weird about it. (laughs) Because you're so used to the old way that it's different to look at it now. Well, yeah, I just, it's, it's, uh, I don't, I guess my mind is having trouble believing that yeah. That this is really happening. It's this easy. Oh my God. I just had to turn off my awareness and this is all I had to do. This is that easy. Life was not meant to be hard. You know what, Jennifer? Humans got really, really complicated with this reality, but life was not meant or designed to be hard. It was designed as one inner voice told me in a beautiful session I did with a client years ago. I said, why is it possible that there are so many wars and suffering and terrible things on the planet. I re- my mind really wanted to know, like, why is there so many terrible things on the planet? And one woman's inner voice in three words summarized the entire wisdom of this experience. All is allowed. So basically, consciousness, God, whatever you want to call it, is allowed to experience anything at once because consciousness is all all that Mm. is. So all is allowed. It would be like putting God in blockbuster and saying it couldn't watch certain movies. (laughs) No, no God, you can't watch that movie. It's too scary for you. No, (laughs) that's, that's rated X. You can't watch that God. Who's going to put God in the corner and put a, you know, rating on it. And who would, who could put all that is (laughs) put a rating system or saying no to all that is to create anything it wanted. There's nothing above consciousness to create limitations for it, right? All is allowed. Now, what's really been as the collective in earlier episodes years ago and earlier seasons of the show said is that, because I came to the same conclusion twice and <laughs> brought the same question to them. And I, they said, we love you so much. We've already answered this. <laughs> I was like, okay, I got it the second time. The first time I must not have retained the answer. But they said, I said, look, I've done all these inner voice sessions. I see the whole, the plot, problem with humanity. It's that the inner voices want the surprise and delight of the unknown of this experience and totally trust and allow everything. And the minds hate all of that, what I just said. The mind Mm -hmm. hates the unknown. It's scared of it. It wants to know what's going to happen. It wants to have itself solve the problems of the future and know what's going to happen forevermore. And it doesn't want to, you know, trust and all that kind of stuff. And I said, you know, why would you create a body and a mind to go in that body that hates the future and the unknown and then have a inner voice that wants to go into the unknown. Like, why would you put yourself in such a robot that doesn't want to do what you want to do through the robot, basically? And the collective said, we love you so much. We explained this already. <laughs> it wasn't designed. Humanity in 3D was not designed to be as hard as it became or mental as it became but all is allowed. So consciousness coming into humanity, everything's allowed. So it became that way, but it was not initially designed to have so much suffering. Humans have gotten extremely good at the suffering because of the mind got so powerful in the sense of, and so much emotion came out as a result because it's trying to solve and protect and project all these emotions, right? And so the mind suffers. Like you've suffered with that story. I suffer with all those beanbags I had in my body when I was eating all those candy bars, right? I was suffering. You've been suffering. Not in a suffering like you've been in the Ukraine war and you're a refugee, but you've been emotionally suffering from all of these emotions in your body. And anyone listening to may have some large or small dose of suffering in their lives from the emotional 
storms that continue, those gunshot wounds in the shoulder, metaphorically speaking, that there's just there over and over and over again being pummeled. And then it had the mind having to protect or project instead of clearing them out. But once you know how simple it is to clear it out, I say, welcome to the jungle. <laughs> I'm like, that's like, okay, now you know. But the good thing, the good thing is, you know, that's not the bad thing. But the other side of that is now you can do something about it, which is freedom, but also now you're going to be aware and you're going to start doing it. It's necessary in order to clean the pipe, to clear out the rocks in the pipe. But now that you do, just remember whatever amount comes up that you can catch an awareness is safe and ready to be released. And of course, you're still going to be, Jennifer, triggered by things. You've got other beanbags in your body that you're going to not have enough awareness about yet. And it'll come up in the next two weeks before we have our next call. And then, you know, you might not catch them and figure out how to do this yourself well enough in the moment. So we can do them together in two weeks. Okay. But we ultimately grow our awareness so that when something happens and we're triggered and we're like, wait, would somebody else react like this? Or would they be calmer about this situation? If the chance is that somebody else may not react in the same exaggerated way that you're feeling and reacting to something, the chances are there's a beanbag there that can be released. So one of the trickier things about that, for like example of road rage, there are some people that have similar feeling beanbags. So there are people that might feel the same way as the person with road rage. There are multiple people with beanbags that create a similar response. And so you have to then check, okay, so if I say road rage, is like, is there, what other people have this reaction? Some people might have that reaction that have the same beanbag, okay? So you have to be a little bit self-aware here. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. some people may react to things and get really upset about them the way you might as well. But if there is a chance that, there is other people in the planet, are other people on the planet that wouldn't have that same collective response of outrage at someone cutting them off in traffic. They might just be startled. They might be a little bit mildly annoyed or irritated. And then they go about their day fine without holding on to the emotional charge that that instance created in them. That's a good sign that there's something there that you can release and then ultimately liberate yourself from because you're not going to stop people from walking down the street in New York and bumping on your shoulder. It's not about your mind having to protect you with bubble wrap so that nobody can hurt your emotions. It's actually about liberating yourself from all these old emotions and transmuting them so that the stories aren't active, the feelings aren't active, and you can function and go forward in trust and clarity in the fun unknown that your inner voice wants to flow into. As the collective said, it was designed to be, you know, fun. It wasn't designed to be this suffering place of trauma that it's kind of in in some cases kind of feels like it's become. Yeah. Cool. And that's the gift of this work. That's the beauty of this life is that we can have and one of the other things that happens, I'll say this because we've had a lot of chat about the beanbags is what you had before. If anybody else had that feeling of trying so hard like when they were little, you would have had the same beanbag still in you if you hadn't released them. And you'd have the feeling of empathy for them. You'd feel empathic. You'd be like, I know what that feels like, right? Mm -hmm. You could have cried just along with them. You could have triggered that forehead and that tennis ball in your chest. And you could have been going right along with them, crying and crying about it and feeling into the same beanbag in you. But now that you've transmuted those, it transmutes them to wisdom and compassion. So you remember what it felt like and how hard it was 
And so if someone still is in those beanbags, you can have compassion for them, but you're no longer going to be able to be empathic to them because you've healed that wound in your shoulder, the gunshot wound. You'll go, I know what it was like to have a gunshot wound. It was terrible. Walking down the street was a nightmare. Everywhere I went, people were bumping into me and it was the worst pain I'd ever felt in my life. But once it's healed and you walk down the street, you go, and I know how bad it was. And thank God I'm not there now. And I know that it doesn't have to be a permanent state for you either. Does that make sense? That's compassion and that's wisdom. So what you're doing ultimately is transmuting empathy into compassion. That is the healed empathy is compassion. That's why all the enlightened ones are so humble. It's not because it's in the, I used to think that was like another way on the scale of cool things. They were better than the regular humans because they were so humble too. That just made them even more unrelatable. But really what it means, I now understand is like the humility. It means I have had that also. I know exactly what that feels like. They've been in the dirt too. You know, they're not on a pedestal saying I'm holier than you. What they're saying is like, I have felt that one also. I know what that feels feels like I also have been there. And that's humility. It's not a level of being superior. It's about being equal, but no longer burdened by that emotional experience. That's humility. And it doesn't need to be empathy anymore. So that's so powerful because once you're in compassion, you can truly help them. Two gunshot victims talking to each other are just going to cry together and they're not going to be able to help each other with the other gunshot wound. And ultimately, everyone has to heal their own gunshot wound because the healing happens within your cells, not someone else's. So someone else can be a doctor and stitch you up, but ultimately, even the stitches don't heal you. Your cells start to bond back together and the body systems recreate the, the feeling of wellness and health and healing still within the body. Even doctors and medicine only do things to activate the triggers of the natural healing inside of the body. The body has to heal itself. It can have other aids, but ultimately healing happens when the cells of the body realign in a harmonious pattern again. But the inner self of that body has to do it. Just like you have to, I can't release your beanbags for you. I can just hold space and hold your hand and say, you're doing just fine. I felt this too. Nothing wrong with you. Go for it. And then you do it. But that's what you can do with somebody else with the gunshot wound in New York City on the street. I've had that one also. And if you want, I can sit and hold your hand while you breathe into it and feel it, but feel it where it's at. It's not in the person bumping you on the street. It's in your shoulder. Yeah. Okay. How does that feel for a first session, Jennifer? (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess I'm still a little bit, um, I mean, an unbelief. I mean, a little bit, um, like I said, I can't really bring it back. Um, and that <laughs> feels like, a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but no, that's the power so of much. this. What we're going to do, Jennifer, in two weeks, we'll circle back and say, how does it feel? This good girl pain body bean bag system, right? Now okay. there's also Jennifer, you might have more of these. You live this for 38 years of your life, right? So you could have more of these bean bags that connect to this story between now and then. And that's fine. We'll just release them. You'll go, oh my God, there's another one in my hip and it feels like a football. Okay. We'll go into that one, but it might also be potentially as simple as those two transformations does transform your understanding of that story. This is how you're helping that little girl of you. She's no longer feeling it as painful. You remember that you experienced it the first time around as painful, but looking back on it, she's kind of relieved. She's like, oh my God, because you're feeling her old pain, right? 
So maybe mm-hmm. when you're not feeling it, maybe she's not feeling it. Pretty yeah. trippy, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you're not feeling it and you were feeling it from before, maybe it's possible. Quantum mechanics says so. There's no forward or backward preference in quantum mechanics. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Equations okay. work equally valid forward and backward in time. We experience time as humans forward, but in quantum mechanics, the equations themselves work forwards and backwards. Time is not a one directional element in quantum mechanics. The things that make this atom world exist do not exist through the lens of a forward motion of time exclusively. Well, incredible. <laughs> Anyways, so excited to be working with you, Jennifer. Thank you very much. <laughs> we'll leave on that little something to ponder. <laughs> Thank you a million percent for being willing to do this with us. I am so honored to have you and so excited for these first two beanbags. And that's how you know, by the way, Jennifer, when you're like, did I do the beanbag thing right? If you can't drum up the same emotion afterwards yeah. to the same story, it's literally that whole like gunshot and like, if I got bumped, do I feel as bumped without, you know, if you're not as upset, <laughs> that's yeah. a sign you move the energy. Okay. There you go. Whatever right. happens in life is going to be perfect. And we appreciate you so much for joining us. And until two weeks from now, may something wonderful happen to you today. Thank you.